Hey, everybody. This is Rob. Normally, this is where I'd have the cold open of this show. And this one's a bit special because this episode is officially cursed. Yes, we have been trying to put out episode 200 for weeks now. And we even mentioned in the first part of the show how episode 200 just never seemed to come together because of scheduling issues. But we carried on and recorded something anyway. And while I was editing part two, I discovered that about a half hour in my audio track became completely unusable. It is garbled and very distorted, and that caused us to lose over an hour of content. However, I'm not going to discard the first hour of the show, so I'm presenting to you not episode 200, the cursed episode, wherein we try to talk about Space Marines and our... Uh, basically thwarted by the powers of chaos, who don't want us to talk about all the new Premier stuff. And uh, you'll recognize when the sound goes bad. Enjoy! Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that can't count consistently. My name is Rob. Kevin. And Richard. And this is episode, well, I think we're calling it 201. It, it's <laughs> yeah. It's technically episode 200, but because 200 has a special mystical quality to us, and you'll notice that Dennis was not in the list of people who are on the air right now because he's out of town. We're going to pretend that 200 hasn't happened yet. Well, technically it hasn't happened yet, but we're going to pretend this isn't 200. This is 201, uh, or 201 can be the increasingly misnumbered episode. Uh, but See, I'm just going to, in my head canon, 200 happened, but we had to pull it. Yeah, it was so, I, it was the. Somebody, somebody said something so heinous that like that co-host isn't on the podcast anymore. No. <laughs> a one-time, a one-time podcast host. <laughs> we had a guest host that just went off the rails and it was just. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it wouldn't have been Dave because I can work around Dave. I've edited around, <laughs> around Dave's yeah, stuff. I- yeah, I, I actually can't imagine who would who would be that bad of a guest. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So we we obviously had a bunch of issues, and I think if you followed us on Facebook or Twitter, like we've been talking about two hundred for a while, and just nothing part, worked. <laughs> partially my fault because like I don't live in Kansas City anymore. So when I'm home, it's that's when we were trying to do it, and then my car broke down, and then Gen Con happened, and. Rob's car broke down, so it's... Oh, yeah, it's it's been a comedy of errors trying to get... The, just trying to get this episode together. So, much less doing something special for it. So, we, But we are back. Um, we still want to do something special, and several of you on Facebook put together some, some ideas for things for us to talk about, but it would be kind of a disservice to do that without Dennis, as he is also one of the hosts that has been around. Like, other than Kevin, all the other three of us have all been around since episode one, so it would be weird to do that without him. And then like the next episode. Okay. So yeah, Dennis, here's all the stuff you missed. You want to talk about it? <laughs> so we're not going to do that to him. So we're just gonna, 
um, carry on and pretend that 200 hasn't happened, that this isn't 200. It's not 200 in spirit. It's it's 201 in spirit. But uh, anyway, fortunately, Games Workshop decided to drop a whole bunch of content in our laps in exchange. Yeah. So <laughs> thanks, Games Workshop. Uh, so we finally have Space Marine Codex 2.0. And this episode is going to be structured a bit differently because pretty much the news, new releases, and main topic are all the same thing. <laughs> However, listener mail um, is this is going to also be kind of a weird episode because other than a backlist of of army lists, which get increasingly out of date with every book that Games Workshop releases, and I imagine any Space Marine lists are going to be reworked after this. Um, we don't have listener mail. Y'all fell down on the job, uh, <laughs> so, or maybe or maybe we have answered all the questions. Maybe maybe there is nothing left to ask. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, uh, but yeah, please send us anything you want to hear on the show, and you can listen to past episodes, listen to the spiel on how to do it. If you're listening to this, you've probably listened to more than one. But anyway, uh, yes, Space Marines and basically Space Marine Codex 2.0 and the various supplements and the new model kits are our main topic. Uh, so first, we're going to do a little sidestep and talk about some of the things that have happened to us or the things that we have done since uh, our last episode. And I'll start off with you guys because you guys got to go to Gen Con. Yes. Yeah, we did. Um, so it's actually the 10th year that I've gone to Gen Con, which is crazy. Um, GW had a, a good presence there, but obviously that wasn't the main focus for me. I obviously spent a bunch of money on other games and stuff like that, but uh GW did announce some stuff and they did have some cool displays. I, I posted on uh, the Facebook page. They had two of the uh, new Space Marine uh, action figures that are going to be coming out from Bandy. And holy crap, those things look really cool. Super detailed, super articulated. They showed all the different options they had set up for them. Yeah, it just looked really cool. Uh, they also had some of the um, little, uh, and I always mispronounce what they're called, but the little like small like Chibli fix figures, figurines, Chibi, uh, Chibi. Yeah. Sorry. I always mispronounce that. There's a little Chibi. Uh, and they had some cool ones of that. They had like the, uh, classic rogue trader, you know, uh, cover with the guy using the orc head as a, you know, <laughs> swinging it around. They had like assassins. Uh, they had an inquisitor. They had a sister of battle. So those are cool. Like uh, once, once those do eventually come out, those will be really cool to have. And then they announced um, uh, Imperial um, Aeronautica Imperial, Imperialis. Aerona Aeronautica Imperialis. Yeah, thank you. Words are hard. <laughs> so they announced that, and they had some of those figures there, and like showed what was going to be in the starter set. Um, and that looks really super cool. So like I, they had a lot of cool stuff. You know, I picked up, swung by, and picked up a couple Forge World goodies. But uh, yeah, that was kind of my Gen Con for 40k. Um, it was it was pretty fun. Yeah, I didn't really do much at all aside from wander past the the booth and and look at the new stuff as well i didn't really pick anything up this year for as far as 40k or or even uh age of sigmar goes so yeah it's it's one of the things that's interesting about the changes that gw has made or forge world has made to like their shipping and their their pricing it's not quite the same event to like buy Forge World at a convention as it used to be uh, because it's just much easier now, um, which is probably good. 
my wallet appreciates it. <laughs> you can spread it out throughout the year rather than one big exactly. clump. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Cool. Let's see. As for me, I've been to two major events over the last few weeks. So one Dennis and I both went to was Show Me Showdown, which was run by friend Nathan Martin. We talked with him on an earlier episode. Uh, that event went great. They had more people attending than they had originally planned. So it it's grown. It, it nearly doubled in size since nice. uh, last year's event. Everything went really smoothly. This was my first time uh, playing with chess clocks, which actually ended up being not nearly as bad as I had feared. So I'm a little bit more comfortable. I still, part of me still doesn't like the fact that we need it, but I'm I'm coming to acknowledge that at least for competitive play, it is an absolute requirement to keep games moving on time and and keep it keeps people playing at a at a decent clip. As far as how we did, uh, as I mentioned on the show before, Dennis and I were Team Big Forge World in that he brought uh, a Custodes army with an Orion, and I brought a Tau army with a Taunar. And, uh, well, uh, spoilers, Dennis took dead last. Um, in fact, his final match was on the last table was against another Custodes player, and the other Custodes player managed to pull out the win. So... Uh, but he had a great time. I mean, Dennis had a, had a fun time, and he he went in knowing like I just want to see what this thing can do, and acknowledging like it, his army had like particular weaknesses, and it was hard to to overcome some of those. But he had he had a good time, and he's and again he'll talk about that more when we get him on our next episode. Uh, as far as me, I went three and two with the town art. I maybe could have pulled off four and one. Uh, had I not played badly one round, I deployed badly and that ended up biting me. Uh, but I ended up playing, let's see, first round, I played against a Zinch and Slanesh Chaos Army that had Magnus, a couple of Disco Lords, bunch of Demon Princes, Rubric Marines, absolutely beautifully painted, by the way. He did statue Rubric Marines, so they're all like sandstone with glowing green eyes. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh and I like I we had uh, ended up rolling up hammer and anvil deployment, and that was not good for him at all. Uh, <laughs> Magnus went away top of one. Yeah, it the it, it, the town R is is at range is deadly is absolutely deadly, and with the things that you can do with stratagems and commanders and such to buff it. It just puts out a ridiculous amount of firepower and just murders things. Uh, so, yeah, by the end of the game, he had very little left, and I just ended up pulling ahead on points. Uh, second game was against Roran Sherrick. I'm sure I'm screwing up his last name because that's what I do. Uh, he was playing Horde Orcs. I uh, had to kill... Uh, like, he had over 120 boys, something like 40 or 50... Uh, Gretchen and then like several several uh in you know several characters and by the end of the game including the squad that he had brought back with the green tide stratagem I had killed over 200 orcs <laughs> and that's it was not enough to pull out the win he managed to just uh, he had board control for sure I mean with yeah. that many bodies <laughs> and I'm running I'm running like 30 fire warriors, a handful of characters, a bunch of shield drones, and one ghost keel. 
And I mean, I managed to get work done. He, I had him down to less than 10 models at the end of the game. So I killed a lot of stuff, but I just, it, like one of the things I did, I picked uh, Kingslayer as one of my secondary objectives, and he just kept that character hidden out of line of sight from me. And yeah. at, out of line of sight, and with other things that were closer, so I couldn't target it with like uh, smart missiles, that kind of thing. So he, you know, he played, he played smart, he played well, and he ended up, you know, he got the win. It was well deserved, and it was, it, but it was a lot of fun. Was this the uh, just kind of jump in? Is this the first time that you've played with the the uh, ITC missions, or have you played with them before? Oh, I played with ITC missions. Okay. I remember that we hadn't played with them much until very recently. So, okay. I keep dropping my books. You know, and, and pretty much any other G2, like Iron Halo uses ITC champs. And, okay. Yeah, there. I've played at other events that have ITC champs. So, okay. like, going into it, I know, like, I know how to, like, pick, you know, look at lists and, like, okay, I should go for these secondaries. I should get, you know, it's like that kind of so thing. So, what I'm getting at is there's no excuse for you to screw that up. Is what... No, no. Well, no, that, that one, it, <laughs> again, it was... Uh, it, or I don't know. It wasn't even hammer and anvil deployment. It was pointy hammer, hammer and anvil. Yeah, the yeah, which yeah, is yeah. better for him. Spearhead, I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, but it's yeah. It that one was a bit tougher for me because I've got like smaller flanks to work on, mm-hmm. and uh, well, and they're a faster moving army. They're, than yeah, they're, yeah, they are. <laughs> but uh, but still, n- I like. The uh, the fire warriors ended up acting as assault buffers, and and he was very smart about like I don't want to over assault you and like fall into you necessarily. I just want to kind of like mm-hmm. I want to kill just enough stuff. Type you know he he played very smart. He's done a lot of practice with this army. Third round was against uh, Jason Brow and uh, a Nurgle combo army that had like Mortarian and three Disco Lords and Epidemius and. Uh, then a bunch of uh, plague bearers, and I deployed. We had pointy dawn of war in that one, which is one of my least favorite deployments. And I deployed closer to the center of my zone. And looking back at it, I easily could have pulled into one of the flanks and just shaped my army around that. the The tricky part is the townar's base is huge, but I still probably could have pulled into one of the flanks and then made him come me the long way in which case that would have given me the time i needed to burn stuff down but instead i placed closer to the center and he was he got me into assault turn one and against three disco lords and mortarian that's not a good place to be so i basically bottomed out on my score on that one i don't think i killed a single unit it was it was just it was a and i realized that like shortly after the game i'm looking at like yeah this this was completely on me i i bollocked up the the deployment something awful so so going in to uh day 2 i played Cody Lindbergh who was running a re- uh this was a Renegade Knights army cuz Chaos Knights was not legal yet like it had just come out like a couple of weeks before so they're like nah, it's too soon we we're just going to we're just going to use what what's out for Renegade Knights, and the Townar is death on Knight Armies because that macro gun. Turn one, I like his Warlord Knight evaporated, and I crippled a second Knight. Turn two, killed that Knight, crippled another one, and he's at this point like, and I've been running my Ghost Keel as uh, as basically distraction, kind of going around, and he's 
keeping his Helverins kind of his Helverins were kind of like hidden to hold objectives and such. And so you know, eventually he used the, the he had to pull the Hel- Helverins out a bit to to kill it. But by that point, like I've got like at the end of turn three, I'd killed all of his not like his big knights, and then. I start like because I, I think I had bottom a turn, so I was like bottom a turn three. I kill his other knights, and then the the townar starts walking and Ooh. and looking for more targets. and And at that point, he stopped and he said, "Okay, so let's let's measure and math this out." And we looked at like so we like okay, so it moves like six like fourteen inches a turn. Okay, so turn like next turn you're here. Next turn you're here. Yeah, you table me in two turns. Like one, because one of the Helverins got a bit too far forward and got into my line of sight. Because the other thing is, the Townar is so tall that line of like, unless you like, a ruin will not necessarily completely hide you from it because it will just look down at you. And the yeah, basically in within two turns, I could have hunted down and killed the last two units of Helverins. So we just called it a turn five, <laughs> and then the last turn was against a Mechanicus army that had some of the new, the Scorpius Disintegrator t- tanks and the, the new transports, and also had a uh, Knight St- uh, Sky- or Styrix. I don't, like, it had Styrix and two Dune Crawlers and, like, two of the two of the transports and one of the uh, Disintegrator tanks. The The new tanks are really awesome. They put out a lot of shots, and they the Disintegrator has a mortar option that lets it ignore line of sight, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then the transports I, is something that Mechanicus needed and gave them an ability to get up the field quickly. It didn't help because the Overwatch from the town are like he he basically ran some uh, rust stalkers up, and the uh, the Overwatch from the town are destroyed them. But uh, other, I don't know. I think like two of them got in, like one or two of them actually got into base to base with it, and then it just stepped on them. But, uh, but yeah, and then every turn, I was just like, turn one, the Styrix went away. And then after that, it's like the Townard's destroying a vehicle or two every turn. And then by the end of the game, I think I tabled him on turn six. Pull, uh, took out his last couple. Because again, after a certain point, the Townard starts walking and looking for targets. And so, yeah, so ended up, ended the day three and two, which I'm, I'm really happy with. I'm going to take this list to, uh, Iron Halo because it's, it's, fun to play because i i like to play tau as kind of a castle army anyway and just the idea of having this like okay so you you crash upon the waves uh or crash your waves upon the wall that is my my town are and it's supporting units and then what after a point i just start hunting for you it really appeals to me so i really like that then uh last week i played at siege world in their giant apocalypse game which so they were th- Around the same time, Games Workshop was doing a... They, they were going to do their world's largest apocalypse game. And Siege World organizers took that as a challenge. <laughs> and uh, apparently, at, after a certain point... They, so they contacted Games Workshop to find out, like, well, how many people showed up? Because apparently, people didn't bring enough stuff to see to the, to the uh, Warhammer World game. Uh, so... After a point, like they they ended up having to like scramble and get stuff out of collections. But even then, apparently they stopped counting. But it was somewhere around the four hundred to five hundred thousand point level. Even though they were technically, I think, playing New Apoc, 
Mm-hmm. Like if they had translated it to points, it was around yeah, five, four four to five hundred thousand. Uh, Siege World easily had over six hundred thousand points on the table. A table that, mind you, stretched all the way across a the hall. It was prob like it was a bunch of like four by six or four by eight boards. So I mean, it was something. It was probably a good eighty feet long of forty k. It was ridiculous, <laughs> and uh, they were playing old Apocalypse because New Epoch came out in July, and they're like, "That's too soon for us to redo our scenarios and things like that." So they like this would be kind of like, "We'll we'll see how this goes." But one thing they did like from New Apocalypse that they kept was that they added the damage phase. So you accumulated damage, but you still acted at whatever damage you were at at the beginning of the battle round. And then at the end of the battle round is when damage would be applied. So everybody was going guaranteed to get at least one round of full full capacity firepower. Nice. And uh, my, I had a lot of fun. I was tabled by turn four. But uh, that's with uh, props to Alex Clark for, for basically doubling the size of my army by bringing his Tau collection for me to borrow as well. So I had four Storm Surges, four Town R, uh, a, like seven Hammerheads, Four Riptides, three Ivaras and Arvarna, uh, a couple of uh, Ghost Keels, a um, bunch of Stealth Suits. I had, I brought the eight. I just, I had, I think totaled up. I had over fourteen thousand points of of Tau. However, I was also facing down two Reaver Titans, and then right next to that, right, Alex was actually playing two Reaver Titans right across from me, and then right next to him, a guy was playing. A warlord, like four, five reavers and four warhound titans. <laughs> um, I can't repel mag- firepower of that magnitude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it fortunately, I had like I had access to stratagems, so I was able to like keep my the townar up at like full capacity for more rounds than they probably should have been. I killed one of the Reavers. Oh, and in front of his two Reavers, Alex had like seven or eight great unclean ones and like five or six Lords of Change. So I had all that to chew through as well that was moving up on me. By the end of the game, I had killed, I think, five of five or six of the great unclean ones and four of the Lords of Change, including Fate Weaver. And then one of the Reaver Titans. And then day two, they introduced uh, some new stratagems. And one of the one they, they also gave everybody 10 more CP because, like, I had burned out my CP turn two. Because one thing they let you do is because it's open play, so you can use stratagems over and over again. But they to create a sense of balance, which is silly with Apocalypse, but we'll go with it. You could spend the same stratagem again, but the cost doubled. So, like, for example, if you want to do a reroll... In, in the same phase, it's one, two, four, eight. You know, so you burn through the mm-hmm. CP really fast. And I had, they, they based CP on the number of points you had. So I had something like, I had 30 CP to work with. Uh, they also added a stratagem that cost four points that let a Titan-sized unit, or a, t- a Titanic unit fire two of its weapons a second time. So I used that on two of the Town R. <laughs> so that was like 12 points per turn that I just burned 
totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally worth it. So by like end of day one, I'm I'm out of CP. Day two, they're like, okay, everybody gets ten more CP, and here's a list of new stratagems. And one of them was a ten point CP strat or ten CP stratagem called All Hope Is Lost, which you played at the end of a movement phase. That you, you targeted one of your own units. That unit was immediately removed. It didn't wait till the end of the damage phase. It was like you immediately removed everything aware, around where that unit was. I think with everything within six inches takes three d six mortal wounds. <laughs> <laughs> so I had I had one stealth suit left in a squad, and he ran forward like as soon as they gave me that strategy. I'm like he, he jumps forward, <laughs> declares all hope is lost, calls down the orbital strike. Took out four Helverins, another uh, Great Unclean one, um, a Leviathan, like a Chaos, like Hellforge Leviathan Dread that had been hanging out behind a wall. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> I, it was like that one guy just like cleared out hundreds of points worth of stuff just by himself. So nice. that it's kind of like, and then at that point, like at the end, I, I posted pictures of like what turned one my army looked like at the start start of one as what it looked like at the like end of three or four and i'm like i have like two squads of fire warriors and like shadow sun left <laughs> i was like yeah this is this game's pretty much over for me but it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun um they are looking at doing at at possibly using new apoc next year um so they've asked people to play a lot of new APOC and send in feedback. So I'm planning on getting some more games of Apocalypse in. Um, I'm concerned with how that would work with that many players and that big a table. Uh, I'm probably going to suggest they maybe break it down into several discrete large battlefields and then score at the end based on that. But we'll see. Uh, it's it's They've got a year to figure it out. Yeah. But, but no, that was that was a lot of fun, and that's one of the reasons why. Like, I like to go to GTS, but I also like to go to other kinds of events as well. So, like, I at this point in the last couple of months, I played in a GT, a friendly, and an APOC game, and now I'm ready to go back into GTS, and it that helps prevent me from burning out. And actually, I'm at the point now where I feel like I can start running events again myself, and and I I'm recharged, which is good. Nice. Yeah. Well, one, one thing I was gonna say uh, that. I wanted to just call out is uh, that Jason Horn from Iron Halo TV uh, was at both these events streaming. Yes, he was, um, which is actually uh, how I was able to watch like the final games and stuff. And I thought that was very cool that he did a really good job with that. Um, he posted some videos on the Twitch stream of like the APOC game. Like they went through and they like walked the length of the table as the game was being played. Uh, and I'm like, that was, that was really cool to see uh, how, there's just the sheer scale of that game. Oh yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous in in a good way. It's ridiculous in a good way because it is just so much stuff. It is and so much big stuff. But at the same time, it's like there was one flank. Like they had a few players that were no shows, like the last minute. So they actually had slightly more table than they needed. So at the very end, it was kind of open, and Ben Spears, who runs Midmo Maelstrom, was there playing in the APOC game, and he dropped in, like, a dozen drop pods and just <laughs> unloaded their uh, unloaded their contents to try to help uh, claim objectives. So <laughs> I mean, there was just – it was just so, so much stuff. Um, 
I did not, I think I did not see any orcs there, but I saw there were plenty of space marines, lots of titans, lots of chaos, a um, couple of play, couple of Tau players. Uh, I saw a good, I saw actually some sister stuff, a lot of guard. Uh, some armies, I think, lend themselves better to APOC than others. So I mm-hmm. uh, did see some Necron. Uh, I don't know if, how much, I don't, and then, lo- you know, lots of knights, obviously. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, I like APOC as a system. I especially like New, New Apocalypse. Uh, so, this this was fun, but it, at this scale, like eighth edition, really does start to break down. Like, and once you reach a certain certain size of game, the, the rules just don't scale. And I'm even concerned that APOC, like like I said, I think New APOC might even have trouble scaling to a single battle this large because of the uh, alternating activation thing. But if you did it, you'd have to have like a couple of War Masters, like one on each side that was like really on top of it and could like call out who to activate or possibly do kind of like zoned activations. Like one player in this zone can activate turn one player in this zone could activate at that, which point you might as well just be playing discrete battles. And honestly, every table area was kind of its own set of discrete battles because other than like Titans and guard artillery, most things are kind of limited to what they can see on the table across from them. The, Warlord Titans, of course, had ranges in the 120 to 360 inch range on a lot of weapons. Uh, so, and some of the, uh, I think a lot of the Basilisks had like 10 foot range on things. So it's just like, <laughs> at, the, at that point, it's like, just pick a thing and tell, like, call the player up on their cell phone and tell them their thing is dead now. <laughs> I mean, like the the Warlord Titans and even the Reaver Titans, like some of the laser destructor, turbo laser destructors, and things like that. There are weapons that do like twenty five damage, or weapons that do that have like are AP like minus two or minus three, do double hits to infantry and do something like forty six hits or things like that. It's just like there's it, it's just redonkulous, like uh, how how much firepower some of those Titans can put out, and I think. You know, scaling that down a bit, but if you look at the stats for them in uh, in New Apoc, they compared to other things, they still do ridiculous amounts of damage. So you could, I think, you'd still get the same effect, but streamline the game. Uh, and so that is that is pretty much what uh, I think we have been up to collectively as far as events we have gone to. So um, I'm going to go ahead and hit our hobby progress now, and then that gives us the rest of the episode to just talk Space Marine stuff. Kevin, you said you had been putting together a lot of Alpha Legion stuff? Yeah, so I picked up the last few Forge World pieces that I wanted for my uh, LVO-friendly Alpha Legion list. Um, Because basically for that list, uh, I'm going to do a a non-Chaos Chaos Marine list um, as kind of the theme that I'm using. Uh, So it's basically going to be large blocks of infantry and a bunch of like, you know, using the, uh, the plastic Mark three, Mark four armor. It's going to be, uh, some of the forge world units. Like I've got an Alpharius that I'm going to run as a demon prince. I've got a couple of the other, uh, couple of the outrider bikes from, uh, the heresy that I'm going to use as bike squad. I've got a couple of the other named characters. Like there's, uh, a really awesome, uh, Harrow master with like a, a cool thunder hammer, that I can actually use now because they finally gave chaos thunder hammers. Um, so time. Uh, yeah, yeah. It only took like 20 years. Um, 
So I've been working on getting all that assembled and getting the list built. And then I've been playing around with the contrast paints um, on other minis to kind of get comfortable with them. Um, and I posted like on my Instagram, some of the pictures of like the uh, star spawn, Cthulhu pathfinder mini and like there's a T-Rex and a couple others that I've been working on just to kind of get used to how the paints work. And they're really awesome and really easy to use. <laughs> Do you think they deliver on the promise of easier painting? Oh, absolutely. I, I painted the the Star Spawn of Cthulhu Pathfinder Mini, which is about about the size of a Demon Prince. You know, it's got wings and stuff like that. And obviously, I didn't quite hit it to the same level that I would for like a 40K miniature. But I painted it basically using like three colors in about 15 minutes. Nice. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the contrast paints, like they lay down pretty good. There was a couple uh, I was working on the base for something that was like one of like the basilica gray that didn't quite cover the way i wanted it to so i may have to play around with that a little bit more but so far most of the colors that i've used have uh you know they they cover well they lay down pretty easy um once they dry they look really good so Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's much easier what about you richard what you been up to um i have well during um actually during gen con i did a couple of paint and takes, one of which I, I got a, a primary space marine guy that I painted and was trying to figure out like what uh, color scheme I'm going to use for my quote unquote ultramarines that because I'm not actually probably going to use the, the regular color scheme. And I think I've got it almost figured out. It the the one mini that I did didn't quite turn out exactly how I wanted, but like I've got some ideas as to where I want to go next with it. Uh, and aside from that, I've been kind of in a process of moving a bunch of stuff around in my like hobby area. So like I've got, which also includes like redoing a bunch of magic cards and decks that I have. So like that has kind of taken up all of my space <laughs> that I have for like doing other things. So uh, I'm I'm trying to get that wrapped up and, and finished up at some point so that I can get back to painting stuff. But uh, that's been an ordeal. <laughs> that is the constant struggle of gamers: is uh, finding space for all the games that we. Uh, adopt <laughs> and <laughs> it's like yeah it's like half my hobby time is probably like consolidating like when i start building new kits i'm happy because like i can break down boxes and now put that stuff put other things in those spaces and <laughs> which i have been getting back into ccgs for uh, actually a good number of ccgs for uh, a project i'm working on uh, besides just getting back into magic because it's fun and yeah, now I have like two shelves that is just boxes of cards that have eaten up space that used to be occupied by model kit boxes. So I've got to, I'm kind of fighting that same fight of just like constantly having to rearrange stuff, get new containers, consolidate down, figure out like what do I work on next so I can clear out more space. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of building model kits, uh, I have been, well, let's see, for Siege World, I built in one weekend, I managed to, well, a, a 
over a period of a week because I started like Friday night and finished up like Wednesday. So over just a weekend and a couple of days, managed to get two uh, storm surges built and uh, painted. One of them I won at SeaDroll last year, so I felt it was kind of behoove me to bring it, uh, but actually have it built. And if they were battle suits, they'd be awesome. If they actually had the battlesuit <laughs> tr- keyword, they would be awesome. As it is, they're merely okay. But uh, but no, th- those kits actually went together easier than I thought they might. As as big as because they're night sized basically, and they they went together fine. And they've got there's a lot of neat details on them, and so I'm pretty happy with how that went together. Uh, I finished up, except for doing weathering powders. I finished up your townar, Kevin. Uh, Yay. Yes, I've got to finish up. The, I've got to build the the other two uh, main guns, but it's mm-hmm. got the pulse driver, and uh, that's fully painted. And then I'm just going to do some like some uh, dark. I picked up some uh, weathering p- powders from uh, Viejo to fill out my collection because I had a lot of like light tan dust ones, but I didn't have like good dark earth colors. So now I do. So hopefully I can uh, do some neat techniques there. And uh, now I'm working on putting together all my Blood Angels, all of them, <laughs> all like 80 or 90 of them, Cause, uh, all Primaris, because I've got, I've put together all the stuff from Shadow Spear, and fortunately from when we went to LVO a couple of years ago, um, I got some uh, Blood Angel like shoulder, uh, like 3D printed shoulder uh, symbols or icons uh, from Pop Goes the Monkey, and I've the, I haven't put them on any of the stuff with like the Phobos armor because I get the impression that the Phobos armor is like they don't do custom shoulder pads for that, so that's just more decal. But like the suppressors, the guys like the jump packs and auto cannons, they've just mm-hmm. got standard uh, shoulder pads. But the way the models are made, you can't swap them out; they're like molded into the arm. So I just use some of those to to give them blood angels, uh, shoulder pieces. But, uh, so yeah, I've got all of shadow spear. I've got like all the Primaris characters that they've released so far, pretty much done. And now I'm working on the first of three boxes of intercessors. So fortunately they're going together pretty quickly, but it's still a lot of models to put together. And now there will be even more things to buy because of the new models that are being released. Uh, so, um, so we'll go ahead and take a quick break for sponsor identification. When we get back, we'll talk about those new models and the new book that contains them or books, I should say, cause there's three of them. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. 
KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding G-board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time to dig into this main topic that happens to be the new Space Marines, Space Marines 2.0 for uh, 8th edition. And uh, before we get into the books, plural again, uh, let's talk about some of those new models uh, that are coming out. They may not be out yet. Some of them are not up for pre-order yet, but a few of them have been. Uh, There's the Impulsor Transport, the Invictor Warsuit, the war suit seems to be getting a lot of attention. Uh, yeah, I don't love the model. <laughs> I, I, I love the model for I kind of really want one so that I can put an orc in it. Yes. <laughs> it, it, and on its own, I, I think there's some really kind of cool, you know, aspects of the model. But like... Some things just aren't quite right. Like they don't feel it doesn't feel quite Space Marine enough. I mean, I, I will say this boils down to for me. I will say this. They at least put the dude in a cage. They didn't just strap him to the outside of the walker this time. It's funny. We were just right. talking about that on Friday. <laughs> yeah. That like whether the roll cage is Space Marine enough. No, I it's I I, I don't like it. I don't know. I don't like the model. I think the mo- oh, I think the unit's pretty cool. I think there's some cool stuff in it. I just I don't know that there's a need for a th- well, I would say a third dreadnought, but actually like a seventh dreadnought. Um, <laughs> that's also not really a dreadnought. I, I I don't know. I don't quite know what it does. It's the things like battle suits and walkers were always Tau and or like Eldar guard stuff. So I don't know. It just doesn't seem I don't know. It, it it fits. It hits a weird spot for me on like whether how useful it'll even be like how or how useful it would even be like in the fluff for the for Space Marines. Because like it just seems. It seems odd that like, hey, we're going to put you in this giant walker thing to sneak up on stuff. <laughs> I, I, there, there's an there's an image that's been making it making the rounds on the 40K Facebook communities of yeah. They're like, 40K, so to travel through the warp, we uh, we we have a three-eyed mutant that opens a portal into a hell created by human emotions, and then we use that to travel travel faster than light while, fl- 
while fighting off the manifestations of emotions inside said hell. <laughs> 40k fans, this sounds perfectly reasonable. <laughs> 40k, <laughs> we made a walker that's slightly muffled down so it moves less, cl- it moves a bit more quietly. 40k fans, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> No, that's fair. That is 100% fair. <laughs> like, the weird lines that get drawn in, like, in fandom of, like, I accept this, but not this. I I totally admit that's not rational. I, I don't know. It doesn't look like a Space Marine vehicle. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't quite look like a Space Marine vehicle, and it doesn't quite fit a role that I would think a Space Marine army needs. I don't know. It's odd. It, it's a big, giant robot, and one arm is a big gun arm. Like, literally, arm made of gun. Mm -hmm. The other arm has a hand, and it can use that hand to work (laughs) a gun. Okay, I will say this. I do love the fact that it has a freaking heavy bolter as a sidearm. I I absolutely love that. (laughs) It's just kind of silly, though. It's so dumb. (laughs) Like, there's there's a picture of it I'm looking at right now on on the Warhammer community site where it it doesn't have the. It actually has like the heavy bolter in its hand, like shooting it, and it just looks so stupid. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at one on the uh, on the the GW website. It's like one of the product images. The roll cage opens up because oh, that's a thing God. it needed to do, and uh, then yeah, it's got the uh, it's holding the pistol in one arm in one hand, what? and it's like, why couldn't you just attach that to the arm? <laughs> but it, yeah, it's not like we don't have like bolters to strap to like dreadnought arms. <laughs> so the other one that I think is hilarious too, and this is a personal pet peeve of mine. But I'm looking at the one where he's holding the the heavy bolter and he's like you know firing it, and he's in the roll cage without a helmet on, <laughs> which is just yeah. Uh, well, see, if he has the roll cage, then he doesn't need the helmet, right? No, it's just a roll cage. It's not. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Which which is the thing that I thought I like I always like I saw the roll cage and I'm like that would look way better if it was like you know like kind of the the aircraft yeah like, cockpit cockpit like canopy like glass like hardened yeah. didn't you, you know, know glass makes more noise <laughs> <laughs> than bare metal. <laughs> So, oh, so, so, yeah, we're kind of taking the piss on, on this one. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, also, I think it's interesting the the increasing move of uh, Space Marine vehicles to Iron Hail heavy stubbers rather than bolters. Yeah, that's a little weird. And I, I don't know what the the reasoning is because. The Iron Hail ones, they ha- they're a little bit better, but it's just odd to see the, the longer-barreled weapons. And I'm not sure if I've seen a fluff explanation. Maybe I just haven't found it yet. I've been, you know, like, looking through some mm-hmm. of the codexes. But, like, tr- like, trying to figure out, like, what is the... Does Belisarius Call just really love Stubbers? Because I get the impression that he's behind a lot of these designs. Maybe, yeah. And, and well, he just and it- fucking loves him some Stubbers. And it kind of makes sense to be like, hey, we're going to put like a standard, you know, stubber type weapon on all of our vehicles. And like then the bolters can be separate. Like there's there's some reasons for it. Like the logic could kind of make sense. But I've not seen, as you mentioned, I've not seen a fluff reason yet. Uh, And maybe it's in one of the maybe it's in a, you know, a black library book. So if it is, let us know. 
so yeah, it, it is kind of an odd choice. It, it, yeah, it's, it's an interesting design choice, but, uh, that's still not nearly as weird as the the heavy bolter sidearm with a pistol grip, no less. It's a heavy yeah. bolter with a pistol grip, a giant Lion. pistol grip. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, you know the other stuff though. Like it's cool to see all the other, uh, you know, the actual kits for like the, uh, you know, incursor and uh, like the infiltrator kit, infiltrator kit and stuff like that, and like the new weapons know, on the on the eliminators and. Yeah, and like the Impulsor is it's one of those vehicles we talked about. I'm like, this is what we've needed from day one. We need a light transport for Primera stuff. So, no, I, I think they're doing a good job of finally fleshing out the uh, the Primaris line with the new models. The only thing that they still lack is they don't have a close combat option yet. I'd like to see some sort of like you know jump troop, assault troop, something like that, but. Yeah, like they're 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 closing the gaps in the primary line, which I like. Yeah, some I've seen somebody describe the uh, Impulsor as the Grav El Camino because yeah. it's kind of got like that that half height, not quite a be- truck bed, but not not a truck bed in the back. <laughs> now, granted, this hasn't gone up for uh, pre order, so we haven't seen like a full three sixty spin around yet. True. But it, it's kind of in an interesting spot between like a Grav Rhino and a Grav Razorback because it's got like the capacity for Primaris of a Razorback and it can mount some uh, like top mounted anti air guns, which are also mm-hmm. Stubbers because Stubbers. Uh, although you know, we'll get into the rules for it. It's actually got some other options that are really cool. And I think, and as I pointed out, there's a video that I did from Siege World, which if you're on Facebook, you might have seen it. And I've actually asked someone had someone ask why don't we don't do videos on youtube so we may start doing videos on youtube i don't know when yet but i actually have some components in process of possibly doing a thing kind of like that but anyway um but like the point cost on the impulsor is actually very reasonable like compared to the repulsor oh yeah (laughs) yeah the repulsor is still like land raider plus points level and this thing is slightly more expensive than a rhino and so it's like, oh, yeah, that that is actually what what this army needed is a, a small, fast transport. And I'm I'm glad they finally got it. So. So, yeah, those I mean, that covers, you know, the the major new models and like all the stuff from uh, Shadow Spears now becoming available uh, separately, which is good. But what's interesting is how these books are put together. And again, I say books because if you're not aware for some reason uh, the Space Marine Codex has effectively been broken into seven books, three of which we have now. So uh, the first book is, of course, the Space Marine Codex itself, which uh, the main focus is to bring all the new units into the army and kind of up the power level for Space Marines a bit, because admittedly they are suffering from early 8th edition-itis. Mm-hmm. Where where the design philosophy in 8th edition has really changed since those initial codexes came out. And eight, and Space Marines were particularly feeling the, the brunt of it. And we obviously we did a datasheet doctors on the Space Marine Codex a few episodes ago. And a co- I will say a couple of things we mentioned there are addressed. So that's good. But what really gets me about this one is... Uh, so the the seven books they're doing, there's 
the main book, which has all the units that every Space Marine chapter that is Codex compliant, i.e. a first founding chapter that isn't Blood Angels, Dark Angels, or Space Wolves, you know, that's all the stuff that they use. And then there's the basics for how to use those chapters. So their chapter tactic is in the book and their warlord, like a preferred warlord trait for them is in the book. And that's the only thing in the book that is at all remotely chapter specific. Then the six founding chapters are getting their own supplements that then let you kind of like do a deep dive into those particular chapters and get rules and units and such that are very specific to them. And then beyond this, there's a very big focus, far more than we've ever had since fourth edition, uh, a focus on Space Marine successor chapters. And there's a very clear delineation here between a founding chapter, like an original founding chapter, and a successor chapter. And not only can you say, oh, you know, this is my successor chapter, and they play just like Raven Guard, they play just like Iron Hands, they play just like Crim- or Imperial Fists. No, you can actually build your own, they've got a two-page list of abilities that you can build build a chapter tactic out of for your chapter. And that's really cool. Uh, it also, I imagine, infuriates uh, chaos players that would love to have been able to pick to build their own custom legion traits, legion tactics, mm-hmm. for warbands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's one thing that design-wise kind of frustrates me about this book is that it immediately renders, because of some other things that are getting passed along to the Heretic Astartes, it renders the Chaos Space Marine 2.0 Codex obsolete already. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say obsolete, but it, it definitely, yeah. It's, well, it's, it yeah. doesn't work properly without Errata right now uh, because of fair. new abilities yeah. they added. No, you're you're right. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they added, so, so let's just Go on and hit Chapter it from the... approve needs to start come with sticker sheets again. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Cut out and paste over this portion on page 103. Oof. <laughs> We've decided to skip digital uh, digital publication, and we're just going back to stickers. Well, so it's actually kind of a good point to bring this up, I think. One of the things that I actually really like, and, and if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know I've been on this train for about... 150 episodes now um where i i think that like the chaos marine you know the chaos chaos marine space marine codex should kind of be an annual where it's like every year you update it you print the new models you print the new rules you make all your data changes and then yeah if you have the supplements then you can update the supplements whenever you add stuff specific to the chapter but your core book with your points changes any new units, anything else that you come out with should probably come out once a year to for balance purposes. And Space Marines are such a huge kludgy army. Like I'm looking at it in the last like 30 pages of the codex without any of the named characters, without any of the special units is just units and points and and rules. So it's like this book almost needs to be kind of an annual like, here's your 2019 Space Marine Codex. Here's your 2020 Space Marine Codex. And now that they've kind of divided this up and created the 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 sub-books, I kind of hope they keep doing something like this, where it's like, we're going to put this out 
every year, every year and a half, whenever there's a lot of updates that need to be done. So that hopefully will cut down on some of the the need for like stickers and chapter approved to be focused so much on one the changes to one book. Well, yeah, and it's part of the whole philosophy of eighth edition being kind of a living rule set rather than waiting for a new edition to come out. Mm-hmm. Like if this had been, I mean, hell, how sixth edition barely lasted, or was it seventh edition that barely lasted two years? Yeah. <laughs> one yeah, one of the years. two yeah it's like two years uh, okay here's a new edition yeah it's it, it's this is the kind of thing that would normally be a new edition but instead we're just like they're just updating and kind of patching the the existing codexes and and tweaking them and by the way not to let the other uh founding chapters languish too long the back cover of the white dwarf that came out this weekend is the the cover is just a picture of like the dark angels icon. So mm-hmm. almost guaranteed that within the, ne- within the next month, they're going to announce dark angels 2.0, which will have all this stuff rolled in and probably will update a couple of characters, which is, that's another thing that we didn't mention on new models is two characters got moved to Primaris versions now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah we've got uh, chief librarian Tigurius of the ultramarines and Kosaro Khan of the uh, white scars have crossed Mr. the two, Mr. Too fat for a bike anymore. Too fat for yeah. a bike anymore. Yeah. Have crossed the, uh, the Rubicon Primaris and made Marnius Calgar way less special. And <laughs> yeah, he never was special. <laughs> no, no, he was not, <laughs> but now he's even less. So, but it may, makes me wonder, it's like, what other new Primaris versions of characters are we going to see? Are we going to get a uh, Primaris Azrael? Because that's an ancient model. I would hope so. Um, get a Primaris Samael. Yeah, Primaris Vulcan Hesma would be nice. I think Primaris Samael, who is too big for either his land speeder or his jet bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I want to see, like, Blood Angel, like, Primaris Astaroth. Primaris... Oh, like Primaris, Primaris Dante. Uh, Rag- Ragnar, uh, Wolfbane, or whatever, just because that's that another model ancient model. Single, well, I would say it's the single worst model that's out. That's not true. It's the single worst character model that's out there. Uh, the named character, I'll, I'll allow. Yeah. Because otherwise, because uh, the sisters Dial- battle uh, Dialogus. I'm not the sister stuff because that's that's different. That's that's why I hesitated. It's the worst named character model. <laughs> that line, fortunately, that line is all getting done. <laughs> In plastic, the new jo- the joke will be though the new dialogues will look just as bad. <laughs> it's a faithful recreation, guys. <laughs> we just scaled it up to the new to the new game scale, <laughs> but it still looks terrible. <sighs> <sighs> but uh, anyway, so so yeah, but it would be nice to see like these new like the further chapters. And as you mentioned with like rolling out these books as supplements, like the, we know there's a Primaris iron hands character coming. So I imagine when the codex supplement iron hands comes out, they'll roll that character out with it. If they do an updated Vulcan Heston, they can roll that out when they do the salamanders book. If they decide to release a plastic Vulcan, they could do it when it like they can now, they now have windows of opportunity to roll out uh, other revived Primarchs. Yeah. No, I think yeah. it's a much cooler, cooler way to be able to roll this stuff out, kind of ad hoc. Yeah, because uh, like Vulcan's a perpetual, 
he theoretically doesn't die, so there's no reason why we couldn't have Vulcan come back. There's no reason why Jagatai Khan couldn't have come back other than his book is already out, so apparently he won't be. There's no reason why we, like, when they up, when we get Dark Angels 2.0, Lionel, we know Lionel Johnson's still alive, so there's yeah. no reason why they couldn't, if they released a plastic Lionel Johnson, it'd be awesome. Yeah, but that, but then you kind of throw up the balance that you have too many trader Primarchs at that point. Well, now, then that's why you, well, right now we're at two and, we're at two and one. Nah, the, the, the joke was that it was going to be three and one. <laughs> uh, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> You see, at first I'm like kind of like, no, Fulgrim's not out yet. No, no, it was, no the, the joke is that they're all traitors. Yes, I know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've di- they've dispelled that entirely, but um, eh, no, no, I don't so, think they have. <laughs> all right, so moving on, moving back to Space Marine uh, rules. So uh, Space Marines used to have just the and they shall know no fear ability, which was re reroll failed morale test, and then. They, uh, over the last uh, several months, they've added Bolter Discipline, and now Bolter Discipline is officially in the Codex, which gives them the, basically, they can shoot their rapid-fire shots if they stand still or if they are a uh, stable platform. Not mm-hmm. That is not a vehicle unless it's a Dreadnought. And now they've added a third rule called Shock Assault, which is basically any time they charge, were charged, or heroically intervene, they get an extra attack. And that has been rolled to all the Space Marine chapters. So they've released PDFs now that have that for Blood Angels, Dark Angels, uh, Space Wolves, Death Watch, Grey Knights, uh, Heretic Astartes all get Shock Assault or some renamed variant of said rule, which is really cool and it helps uh, give space marines a little bit more punch in the close combat arena where they've kind of just been fair to midland for a long time so that's good that's one of the reasons that's like why i'm like oh well guess what the chaos codex is now the one you have is now out of, is obsolete because we had to errata a new ability into it which is fair that they that way yeah. chaos marines aren't on a lesser footing yeah i'm glad they gave it to us but yeah, it's a little frustrating that, that that the design philosophy and the you know and the books they released changed so quickly thereafter. Because one of the things that'd be really great would have been if they did like the same makeup for the Chaos Marine book and then just did Legion supplements. So like, hey, here's your World Eater supplement with all of your you know your characters and your stuff for that, and then you can just slot in and add new units whenever you need to. Yeah, it's it makes you wonder like how many teams they have working on the codexes and if how much communication there is between them because obviously there's like a print lead time then you know there's oh yeah yeah but it'd be kind of nice to know like when are you like telling the Chaos Marine team or whoever's working on that book like hey hold up maybe we may want to hold off on printing this or hey we're gonna roll this ability into the Space Marine book you may want to throw it into the Chaos like we're we're playtesting mm-hmm. it it seems to be good maybe you want to throw that into the Chaos book. That's the I that's one of the complexities of having that living rule set that you mentioned. It, you know, the reality is that print time and and shipping and stuff like that just happens. So you have to have a book, you know, I don't know what the lead time is, but you know, 3 6 months in advance. And if you're trying to do living rule changes, you're going to wind up with situations where you just have situations like that. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just it's it's a little frustrating that like you got the updated 
2.0 Chaos Marine Codex with all of these cool new things in it, and then immediately, hey, there's you need new stuff. <laughs> and then there's a fourth ability they rolled into the Angels of Death super ability, because like all three of these abilities so far have been rolled into one rule called Angels of Death. There's a fourth one that's been added called Combat Doctrines, which is a throwback to, I think, the 6th edition book? Yes. Yeah, where you could basically say, like, we're in tactical mode now, we're in devastator mode now, we're in assault mode now. So, our models in this unit gain a bonus depending on which Combat Doctrines that active for your army. If you have a battle-forged army, units only benefit from this bonus if every unit from your army, excluding Servitor and Unaligned Units, has this ability. So you cannot even use allied detachments and get this benefit. Everything in the army has to be space marines. And they carry that over a bit further in the uh, in the supplements. Each of the chapters has a ability, like if the army, if your entire army is battleforged and has this trait, then they get an additional bonus on this, like if this particular doctrine is active. So... This may be the new solution to fixing the soup problem. Because in the past, we've had a lot of abilities that's like, oh, yeah, and every, like, if your army's battleforged, like Blood Angels, for example, if your army's battleforged, every unit in a uh, Blood Angels detachment gets the Red Thirst as an ability. Now, doesn't matter what else is in your army, as long as they're not in that detachment, but because the battleforged rules and Battle Brothers and things like that don't allow you to mix detachments really that much or, you know, mix units and detachments much, it's just like, oh, well, this ability should just always be in effect because you can't take it otherwise. And so having an ability like this where it's like, oh, okay, everything in the army, you have to build a mono-faction army to get this ability is a way to encourage mono-faction builds. So I'm good with this. Mm -hmm. And then, like, at the start of the battle, it's always Devastator Doctrine, and then at the start of each battle round after the first, you can say like, okay, if we were on Devastator, we are now on Tactical. Instead, if we were on Tactical, we are now on Assault. Once you're in Assault, it doesn't move short of having a stratagem that can change it. And all of these are basically the AP of a particular class or classes of weapons is reduced by one depending on like which phase you're in. So if it's Devastator, it's Heavy and Grenade. Everything's AP minus your AP improved by one. Uh, if it's tactical, all rapid fire and assault weapons are AP improved by one. Assault doctrine, all pistols and melee weapons become, you know, get their AP improved. So kind of like what phase of the battle are we into? Now we're better at doing that. And I don't believe non codex chapters are going to get this, which makes me sad because I would love to have blood angels with assault doctrine. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to happen because a yeah. as, as is called out in the chapter, like when you pick your chapter, you cannot choose blood angels, dark angels, death watch, gray knights, legion of the damned or space wolves. Uh, when nominating which chapter units from these chapters are detailed in other or other uh, publications. Yeah. But maybe when they give them, when the new blood angels book comes out, they'll give them something similar. Yeah. Just even if it's just like, yeah, act, assault doctrines, that's the only doctrine you get is you're always on mm -hmm. assault doctrine. I'd be good with that. That'd be fine. Yeah. Um, like maybe give Dark Angels Devastator Doctrine for their plasma guns or something like that. Or, or yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Because now mm -hmm. Codex Marines are definitely power uh, above the power curve compared to, or higher on the power curve compared to uh, Blood Angels and Dark Angels, which Blood Angels and Dark Angels weren't 
that high to begin with outside of like smash captains and hellblaster bricks and that kind of thing right <laughs> uh, and then we get into like the individual units and yeah a lot of the stuff has not changed a ton um most of these units are pretty much the same it's just there's a ton of them because uh this book just has a a, a lot of baggage from past space marine codexes everything's in here but no named characters are in here, which is they had to release a P part of the errata or not really errata, but part of the supplemental PDFs they released included the characters that used to be in the previous or the previous Space Marine Codex that aren't in this because they aren't in a chapter that's had a supplement released yet. But they didn't want you to have to go back to the index to use them. <laughs> so, for example, we've got like captain lysander caven shrike uh vulcan heston they've got rules for them in a pdf you can download uh they don't have any special uh stratagems or anything yet but at least the characters are still viable but not nearly as viable as they will be once the supplement comes out um there's a couple of uh you know like talking about some of the newer stuff let's see uh, infiltrators and cursors are kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, infiltrators were introduced in, um, in Shadow Spear, and it's basically, it's another troop option. So now there are actually more troop options for Primaris than there are for regular Marines. Mm -hmm. And with infiltrators and incursors basically acting kind of like scouts, but far, but way more expensive than scouts. <laughs> Although the Incursors, which is like the new alternative, uh, have the ability to put uh, haywire mines down on the board, which give you a little bit of board control where it's like if you move too close to this, um, you'll suffer mortal wounds. So kind of cool to have that ability to kind of like drop these down as you're moving around. And of course, they've all got uh, concealed positions so they can be like effectively deep struck in. And they give you the ability to run, like, basically an entire army in stealth mode, sort of. You can run what they call Vanguard Army, which is, like, everybody's in Phobos armor, or that's where the, uh, like, the Invictor uh, Scout Walker comes in play, where it's, like, you can do a, a scout army that is also got some firepower behind it. Mm -hmm. Something else that's interesting in here is that, like, Chapter Ancients... Like they've got the company ancients. And right about here is where the sound goes to pot. Uh, you probably heard it there. So, yeah, that's about an hour of content after this point gone. So I'm just going to go ahead and skip ahead to the outro. I apologize for the audio quality, but I figure I'd give the other hosts a chance to say goodnight in our normal fashion. So here we go. But on that note, I think it's a good time to wrap up the show because I think we're running close to time. So uh, as we already did hobby progress at the first half of the show. So remember, get those letters in so we can have uh, listener mail to read on the air because we can only do that segment if people are providing letters. And like I said, lists, lists are hard to fit into our current time format. So if people have sent in lists, I apologize that we haven't gotten to them. And the meta is changing just frequently enough that lists tend to be very fluid at this point. So it's, it's hard to like, by the time, a lot of times, by the time we get to a list, the event that the person was asking for the list for has already passed. So I won't say we won't ever do them and we'll probably 
maybe make a do a call for like, hey, we're going to do a list episode, so send in your lists. But uh, if you have other listener feedback, uh, let us know what you think of the new Space Marines. Let us know what you think of what it means for other armies, what uh, supplements you would like to see. Uh, let us know uh, how you feel about uh, Apocalypse, old versus new. Let us know what you think about... Uh, giant war suits carrying around uh, heavy bolters as pistols because it's hilarious um and just let us know uh anything you'd like us to read on the air uh next episode hopefully all four of us will be together again and that will be the actual real episode 200 which will probably be 201 but math is hard and i'm bad at counting so uh thank you for joining us for episode sort of 200 and our talk about space marines uh, as always, from Preferred Enemies, I'm Rob. Kevin. And Richard. Good night, good gaming, and gosh, there's going to be set six of these things to buy? Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.